You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by Curiosoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Thanks again for listening to the show. This interview is inspired by a quick meetup at the Game Developers Conference. I also wanted to thank the folks that have put up their info on the Game Dev Wiki. For those of you looking to promote your game, blog, or site, feel free to put your info on the wiki too. Now on to the interview. Welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. Today with me is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Um, hi, I'm Alec Loca from BitBlot. How'd you get into games? I don't know. I guess I started playing games when I was young. And um, we had an old Adam family computer, uh, which ran on cassette tapes and cartridges. Um, I remember playing like a Richard Scary game where you could drive around as the worm in the Apple car. It was oh, really right. awesome. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, my brother and I would be playing the computer a lot. So my dad thought that I should actually do something useful. So he bought me a programming book that was called Basic Fun. And I was basically making little programs in basic and stuff. Um, so I started programming on the Amiga a bit <laughs> in the Amiga Basic. And, and then from there, I kind of went to uh, HyperCard and, and C and C++ and that kind of stuff. Were there any games that you really, uh, you're proudest of, the games that you made, like, when you were programming on those computers? Um, I never really made anything that was complete. There was a lot of kind of, like, messing around with just different things and not, not really finishing anything. I spent a lot of time working on an RPG that was called Ending World, and I never finished it. But I worked on it for a period of maybe... I don't know, six to ten years was just kind of on and off while doing other things, and I just kept restarting it every couple of years because I'd learn something, some new kind of technology or whatever, and I'd just start remaking it. Um, so it really just became a way for me to practice building engines and uh, doing game design without actually releasing anything. Sure. So, and how did you get into indie games? Well, I guess. Um, the stuff I was always doing was pretty indie. There was just stuff I was doing on my own, and I would, you know, write all the music for it and do all the art for it, uh, terrible art for it. Um, and um, but there's a couple times where I where I got involved in some other companies that were kind of like indie companies, but they were trying to do mainstream games. Um, there's one I I did in Winnipeg and one I did in Vancouver, so that was kind of the closest I got to doing um, mainstream type stuff. And how was your experience at those companies? I mean, did you enjoy the whole uh, game dev scene there, or was it challenging? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot, and we didn't really get paid. Um, but it was it was a really good learning experience. And it was like everyone was on board. Everyone wanted the game to be great, you know, and that kind of thing. The hard part was when we'd work to a certain point and then realize that publishers weren't interested in our game and uh, we couldn't really continue the project. So that was kind of, that happened a couple times. And- just kind of a, a letdown. So yeah, I mean, um, you know, after those few letdowns, I mean, what did you think? Was it, I mean, did you just think that it wasn't even worth it to work for a studio? Might as well just do it on your own, or? Well, it was kind of these were kind of like indie startups, so it was like kind of like get you know a bunch of guys that we know together. Um, sure. And I, I just worked at them as a as like a programmer. I didn't have any say in the design or or leading the companies really. Um, but it was like a team effort, and it was a bunch of sort of amateurs just trying to you know break into the mainstream kind of thing. Um, 
So it was a lot of fun, but it was also kind of like it felt like getting slapped in the face, you know, a few times in a row because it kind of felt like, oh, you know, it's hopeless and yeah, yeah, you know. So, um, so yeah, Aquarius is kind of the first game um, that I've made that's been a finished and B has been a success. So it's it's really it feels really good. Sure. Um, after those studios, what did you do next? Oh, I was kind of doing games. like stuff. Um, in between as well, um, like I, I worked for a guy producing his um, kind of casual game. It was kind of a casual game. It was kind of an action-adventure game. And that also didn't go anywhere, um, even though we worked on it for a long time. And that he eventually just sort of gave up on it. Um, and after, in between, in between the two um, companies, I, did, uh, I released a shareware game with my girlfriend. We just worked on a game together for two months. Sure. And uh, it was called Deep Sea Adventures, and it wasn't terribly great, but it was just kind of something we did for fun, and I wanted to try kind of seeing how the whole process of selling a game worked online. Yeah. Um, so that was almost like a, it was kind of a precursor for Aquaria. It wasn't really like Aquaria, but it had some, it has some interesting similarities to it. And, and how is that whole experience of selling a game online? Um, when you did finish it in two months, and was that like the shortest time it took to finish a, a game? Coming, yeah, from pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't really put too much. I don't know. It wasn't really like stretching my abilities. I just kind of did the safest thing I could. Sure. Um, so it was just kind of like this little platform game, and it had some parts that were okay, but it, I wasn't really like proud of it or anything. Like, I just kind of did it. Um, and I really just did it because I wanted to see, okay, what is it like when you get to the marketing stage and what do you actually, you know, how does that work and, and how do you sell a game and that kind of stuff. Sure. And the funny thing was that when I got there, I was really not interested in it. And so I just didn't really market it. Okay. And I didn't really do anything. I just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't really so much interested in the, in the marketing end of it, I found out. Were you, were you thinking of like going through a portal or a publisher or something with the game or did Yeah, you- it was it was on Big Fish Games at one point, I think, and uh yeah, it didn't make a lot of money, but it wasn't a very good game, so it was the, the main reason why. It's it's you know, marketing, I think the marketing kind of flows from, you know, if you have like a really if you have a good and interesting game, then the marketing will just kind of flow from that. And if you're like what I basically made like the quickest game possible and then wanted to try some marketing and it was like well i have nothing to market so <laughs> after you released that game and you saw it you know getting sold even if it wasn't a big success were you thinking that you know this is something where you just want to be in charge of making the games or were you still yeah, I've always i've always been doing that which is the weird thing like you know <laughs> since i was eight years old um programming these little like maze games sure you know i was the guy you know deciding how everything went and then and then yeah i did go um I had my own freeware team for a while in high school. Oh wow! And we didn't we didn't produce very much, but we you know it was kind of an attempt for me to start a team and, and run it and that kind of thing. Well, how was that um, experience? I mean, that that seems pretty sweet. Well, it was really weird because it was like just kind of like walking up to random people in, in high school and asking them if they wanted to uh, make games. And I got a few people that were interested, but they they didn't really want to do work. They just kind of oh, yeah. wanted to hang out. So we didn't really end up producing that much, but yeah, we, we got a couple things done. We had some good times, um, but it was it was a good lesson for me in terms of how you know team management works and that kind of thing. Just like a general sense of you know trying to organize people and stuff, which 
and the, the major lesson I got out of it was you can't really, <laughs> you can't really do it. Um, nice. But it, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, my own company and uh, uh, be making um, my own games and stuff like that. Okay. The so, team. So the vision was to have your own company and make your own games. Yeah. Done. Yeah. From early on, that was the idea. Um, so I tried to do that with my freeware company and no one was really interested in it. Um, so it was really frustrating because it was like, come on, guys, we can, you know, make something. They're just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know, I'm going to go to university and do this and whatever. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I went to university for a year, and that's when this other company there was starting up. So I went and joined them as, sure. as a programmer. So so after this game that you released and it got on Big Fish, um, mm-hmm. what, uh, what were you thinking next, you know, in terms of what game to do? Well, immediately I just felt kind of stupid after that one because it was like, uh, you know, I could have done a game that was way more interesting, and I kind of didn't really make that game for myself. Like, I just kind of, like, there are parts of it that I think I did that were kind of inspired, but the rest was just kind of like just doing what I thought would be, you know, appropriate for whatever market it was, even though I had no idea what it was. <laughs> um, sure. So I kind of felt like, you know, eh, you know, that wasn't, that didn't go very well. That wasn't. You know, and I don't want to be doing stuff like that, you know, for the rest of my life. Even if it was a success, I would be kind of like, ah, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't that great. I mean, I had a lot of fun making it, but it was kind of just like, yeah, I'm not, you know, that that proud of that game. Okay. And so so what changes um, were you going to make for the next game? Like, did you think about making Well, I kind of sat down after and I was like, okay, what if I actually made this, you know, something I was interested in? So that's where the idea of Aquaria kind of came from because I was kind of like, okay, I, I made this underwater game that I'm not really happy with, you know, but what, you know, how would I be happy with it? Sure. Um, so then I started, you know, writing a new design and I came up with this new prototype and that was about, uh, I think like three years ago. Um, and I, I started working on Aquaria basically, but it was on my own and I was doing like the art myself and that kind of thing. I was just, I just came up with this really simple prototype and then something else came up and so I dropped it and went on to work with the other, on the other thing. Sure. Um, but that was kind of the first, you know, kernel of that idea. Okay. And what inspired you to pick it back up and finish it? Yeah, I met up with Derek, and we he was working on a game called I'm Okay, which was um, about Jack Thompson's modest proposal. Okay. Um, and so it was kind of like a parody game. Um, and I heard about it just on, like, Slashdot or something. And so I, I went onto his forums and just said, hey, I'll help out with whatever you guys need. Um, so then I ended up doing music for it. And so that's kind of how I met Derek and ended up starting to Derek. And we both started talking about how we wanted to, you know, make games. And he had been running his own freeware company, which oh, was, you know, much more successful than mine. And he'd released, you know, um, Eternal Daughter, which is this big, oh, you yeah. know, Metroidvania type game, um, freeware. So it was really cool. And, and so, yeah, we started talking about games that we might want to work on. And we, we, we worked on one for a while that was going to be this big elaborate, um, randomly generated RPG thing. And eventually it got to the point where we just kept adding stuff to it and it just was impossible to finish. Yeah. So I, I brought up the idea I had of Aquaria. Um, and so we started talking about it and then we kind of went into that. And when you were developing it, were there any uh, different things that you did while developing this game as compared to previous games? Well, I, there's some similarities. I mean, if if I think back to like working on my RPG ending world where I kind of restarted it every so often, sure. we kind of did that with Aquaria too. Like we worked on it for a while and then we're kind of like, you know, this isn't as good as it could be. So we actually scrapped 
scrapped it and, and went back. Um, we kept the code, but we would change the gameplay, you know, change the visuals slightly, um, change the plot line slightly, you know, change the presentation, and then and go back to the beginning and restart scripting everything and mapping everything. So we did that about uh, three times, I think, three or four times. Wow. Um, so that's kind of how we did it. It was kind of iterative in a way. It wasn't really like we just made a plan and then just implemented the plan. Like we kind of went back and we had to really think about what worked and what didn't work. We had to kind of discover it. We didn't know going in exactly what was going to work. Um, yeah. At each iteration, um, I mean, what were the major changes that you made? Or, I mean, like, what, what was it that each iteration taught you or, you know, introduced you to so that you could make the next iteration better? Well, it started out very much kind of inspired by uh, the idea of an action RPG. So you're kind of going around, you know, finding stuff, and you had more, like, FPS-style controls, more FPS-style abilities. You just choose abilities by hitting number keys, and you'd have all these spells you could do, whatever. Um, and the main thing we discovered that was that the story that we had was became very boring when we replayed it because it was characters talking to you. Um, there was a character that actually kind of told you how to do everything at the beginning of the game, like tutorial mode and stuff. And we kind of, at one point, we were eventually like, you know, none of this story stuff is working. We thought it was cool when we wrote it, and then once we played through it enough times, it was like, you know, this game feels like it feels like it's jarring with what the gameplay should be. The gameplay should be should feel open, should feel fluid. It shouldn't feel like you're stopping, you know, every three feet to listen to someone talk to you, right? So that's where we decided to switch everything over to voiceovers and change the story around um, so that it focused on the gameplay better than it did. Okay. You talk about story and gameplay. Um, you know, like how, I guess, in your perspective, how important is story to helping the gameplay? I, I, I think it depends on the player. Some players absolutely hate stories in, in the sense that they interrupt the gameplay. Yeah. But I think that stories, when they're integrated well, can actually enhance the experience and make it more meaningful for people. Um, so I think, I think we achieved a pretty good balance in that there's you know, a story, but it's not necessarily interrupting you. And with, um, the st- with the story, I mean, what are the goals of the story in this case? To get the player emotionally attached to the game or... I don't know if we ever thought about it in terms of goals. Like it was just like this is an interesting story that we want to tell, and um, we never really sat and thought about oh, you know, what's the most emotionally effective thing to do? It was just kind of like this feels right, you know, and this feels interesting. Let's explore that. Um, And you can look back after and kind of see where the ideas were inspired by what they're inspired by and where they came from. But when you're doing it, just kind of something comes to you and you're like, oh, that'd be really cool if we did that. And that's really the level that it's at. It's not really thinking like, oh, hmm, if we put this scene here, then people will feel sad. You know, it's not like that kind of... Okay, um, so it's pretty much if it felt right, then go with it. Yeah, I mean, there'd just be kind of things that would come up from playing the game. There's a couple of scenes I wrote in that were kind of like just based on how I was feeling when I was playing through... Um, like one part of the game kind of felt kind of depressing, so I actually had wrote a part for Nija to say at that point, okay. um, where she talks about feeling depressed and, and the reasons of it, and it actually kind of reflects the players, or at least me as a player's kind of um, how I was feeling at that part. Sure. Um, so yeah, I can kind of come from anywhere, really. But 
Yeah, oh. the story kind of evolved with the rest of the game. And aside from story, any other things that uh, that were significantly changed through the iterative process? The the graphics changed quite a bit. Um, I think there's a picture up on one of our blog entries with with uh, the char- main character graphics changing. Um, and there's characters that were in the the old versions that got removed or changed around or removed and then added back in as a completely different thing. Um, and the music changed totally too. We had we actually had a composer at one point, and then I started uh, deciding that I would write the music um, partway through, and then I wrote a bunch of music in a certain style, and then later decided to change it um, again. So. <laughs> And I've got all these old tracks um, that have a completely different sound. It's much more kind of Zelda slash Final Fantasy, okay. whereas the new sound is kind of more unique. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, okay, so you finish up the game, and uh, did you play test it, or did you have other people play test it before it was released, or did you just release it out into the wild? We play tested it a bit ourselves. Um, our IGF submission was only play, test- play tested by us, I think. Which is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the goal. But go ahead. Uh, oh, go ahead. Um, what I was going to say is, you considered the game done when you felt it was something that you would be proud of, or like, how did you know the game was done? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> um, it was kind of like we we got to a point where we had most of the game roughed out. And that was very hard to get to. It was because you kind of have to force yourself to do some of the work because it's not as you know yeah, exactly. interesting. Some of the rest of the work, you know, it's every India kind of understands because you're your own boss and you kind of have to make yourself you know do certain things, whatever. Um, so we we sort of got you know to the point where the game was roughed out, um, and then we kind of had we got some people to play test. This was after the IGF was over and stuff. Sure. And um, yeah, we got a number of of complaints from people. Um, so whenever, you know, like we, we basically invite a couple of our indie game development friends to, to test it. And so they kind of, they're game designers themselves. So they gave us really detailed, you know, feedback and, and their thoughts about what we could do to fix certain things. Um, and often the solutions they presented weren't terribly great and they didn't really fit in with our vision. So we kind of had to take what people said, you know, People would report a problem, and somebody else would report a problem, and they're really the same thing, but they were reporting it as if it was, you know, different things because they were coming in from, with their own perspectives. Sure. So you kind of have to get to what was the actual root cause of of their, you know, what was bothering them about the game, and then solve that. Um, but we managed to do that um, for them. We managed to really make the game a lot more fun. So you finally made it fun for these people. Did they get to play mm-hmm. test it again before it was released? Or were they constantly playtesting it and they're like, yeah, now it's getting to be fun? Or, or how did that work? Uh, they were kind of constantly doing it. We had this one, one guy from Montreal um, who's, who's crazy awesome and, and loves testing stuff. And so he, he, he was constantly testing. We had some other people that were testing every so often. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was like once we changed you know, certain things, like we'd go through and, and do a pass of changes and then give them a new build. And it was like, oh, you know, this is way better. Um, so there was actually kind of a, a night and day difference between making some changes and they weren't like any terribly huge changes, but it was kind of just, you know, adding more detail, adding more little things to do, um, refining a couple parts 
you know, refining little things here and there throughout the game. And then the whole thing started to come together. And so what were the major changes? Like, so there weren't, so you said there were no major changes? Well, it was kind of like we had this, um, I forget which point we started adding it, but we have this food system where you can cook food and stuff. And that was kind of a later addition. Like back in the ancient version of Aquaria, there was an item system. Okay. But before we did the, but for the IGF build, we stripped everything out that wasn't what we thought essential to the core of the gameplay. Okay. So our IGF submission was like our core gameplay concept with, you know, voiceovers, uh, the song system, and exploring and, and that kind of thing. So then we went and mapped out the whole game and roughed it out, and we got to that stage. And then it was kind of like, well, this feels kind of empty now. You know, so we, we made more enemies, we made more creatures, we made more little things to find, and, and kind of filled out the world a bit more. Um, and then we decided we wanted to make this cooking system. And it was something we had talked about way back when, and we kind of brought it back. We're like, okay, now it seems like there's a place to put this. So we had that in um, as a kind of a rough version when people started testing but eventually we refined it, and then it became, you know, a lot more fun when there was sort of, you know, you could find ingredients and recipes around places. Okay, so... It was before, it's kind of more like you had to figure everything out for yourself. So the cooking system was more of like an adventure game where you'd find ingredients and stuff? For... It's kind of just like a support system, um, like a side thing. Like it, it basically gives you kind of like power-ups Okay. And, and that kind of thing. But there's also, you know... Um, to me, it also makes the world feel more alive because, you know, certain enemies drop certain ingredients. Um, certain ingredients can be found in certain areas. Nice. Uh, so it kind of feels like you're foraging for, you know, stuff. And, um, yeah. And, and, and there's kind of like a mythology, or, or not really mythology, but a, a story to the food and that kind of stuff. Like uh, we came up with really – Derek mostly came up with uh, really interesting names for the food and, and what they are and, and that kind of thing. Like – sea loaf is the recipe that gets created when you create something that has no recipe. So basically any failed recipe will give you a sea loaf. Oh, nice. So it's kind of like the casserole of this thing to see. <laughs> and and so, like so you put in these features and now you're just about done. Um, what, at that point, what are you thinking? Like, I mean, what, what pushes you to the point of, okay, now it's time to release? Well, we kept um, delaying because we we set a release date. I think it was spring, two, and we ended up releasing December two thousand seven. Okay. So, um, yeah, we just things took longer than we thought it would, and we needed the time to go in and fill in all those details and do play testing and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, once it was play tested and stuff, it was just kind of like you know now we have to make an ending for the game that really sums everything up and that was real i found that really difficult um and it took me a long time to be able to create an ending that i felt was like long enough and fulfilling enough and felt like okay you know this ends the game we had a couple earlier versions that felt like they were too short they didn't say enough they didn't really didn't feel like things were really tied up okay um properly so i kind of filled we filled with the uh, final boss and the the ending a lot and during that time, though, uh, between early 2007 and December 2007, you guys were nominated as an IGF finalist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how is that? Because you're getting all this publicity for this game. 
Was there any pressure to release sooner? Or, I mean, like, did that did that help yeah, you? There's, there's a lot of pressure, and people were like, you know, oh, you guys suck because you haven't released the game yet and that kind of thing. And we knew that, you know, if we released it, it would be a terribly game. And it's kind of like whenever you get, once you get the game to, like, the 90% mark, you know, and you have to do the last 10%, it takes longer than the, than the <laughs> It yeah, would definitely. otherwise, just because it's the final part, and you have to make sure everything comes together, and you have to spend the extra time to make sure that it's really, you know, working well, and if you know, unfinished. But yeah, the pressure was kind of, you know, crazy. I remember last Christmas, um, like we had to do our second IGF submission, and I was working like during the Christmas holiday, and it was the most stressful time of my life i think because i was supposed to you know be visiting with my my girlfriend and my family and stuff and i I had to work you know and i had to work really hard and there were bugs like there was a crash random crash bug that came out the day before we had to submit and it was one of those like oh my god (laughs) and i managed to fix it but it was just like so stressful okay um and so after you released in in December, uh, what did you do then? Did you go to the portals, or was it... We haven't released on anything other than our own site so far. Okay. And and how's that? Like, since you've gotten some publicity, has it helped? Have you been able to actually leverage the IGF publicity, or... Well, there's a lot of publicity just because people like the game and they talk about it, and we've been releasing little videos and stuff, and I don't know, so somehow we had all this interest... And we didn't. We haven't spent a cent on marketing yet. We yeah. haven't bought ads or anything. Um, so I, that's been kind of overwhelming for me. That just by basically making our game and talking about it, you know, that was like enough enough marketing to make the game a success. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, f- I still find that kind of overwhelming. I think we might um, we might do some advertising, but I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure you know what what exactly we want to do. And um, yeah, aside from advertising, are you thinking of any other marketing strategies to promote your game? We really want to make like a special edition boxed version and, and that kind of thing, oh, which nice. I guess really isn't a, like a promotional thing, but just be really cool to have. Like, Definitely. Um, like I like collecting games and packaging and stuff, so I, you know, and I know other people do. And so the main thing for us is, you know, how do we produce that so that we can actually afford it and, you know, how do we distribute it and all that. So it's it's really kind of confusing for me to think about. But, yeah, we're kind of slowly working towards that. I want to make a soundtrack CD at some point. Um, again, it's just like a lot of work and a lot of yeah. questions to answer and, and that kind of thing. And um, oh, Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, we have a Mac version that's going to come out, um, and uh, there's a publisher for it. Ambrosia Software, so I think I think they're going to do some advertising and stuff. Nice. They were at MacWorld. They had a booth demoing the game at MacWorld, so that's cool. And are you thinking about a sequel or your next game, or, or what's in store? Uh, we've started working on our next game already, um, but it's just in the very early stages, so there's not much to talk about yet. But, yeah, it's that's that's what I would most like to be working on. But there's, you know, stuff in a query to patch and yeah. improve and all that and ports and things. So are I haven't there, been able to work on it as much as I like. But Are there, um, well, what's, can you talk about the genre that the next game is in? Is it going to be in the similar genre or is it going to be something completely different? 
it's going to be different. It's going to be 2D, but it's going to kind of be, I think my, my, my personal goal would be to aim it at a wider audience because I had a lot of family members that um, would try to play Aquaria because they thought it looked cool and stuff, Yeah, which is, which is a good step because the games I worked on before um, were things that um, my family wouldn't be interested in at all. Um, so they were kind of like, oh, you know, this looks really good. You know, like my aunt, you know, tried to play it. Um, she's never played a game before, so it was really difficult for her. So I kind of like to try to do something that that she could actually play, and that, but also something that that I could play and enjoy. So you know, not something that's you know so simplified that sure. I would find it boring, but something that has like layers. Like there's a layer that she can play it at, where she you know the basic controls she can figure out right away with the mouse or something. But then there can be all this complex strategy and stuff that, that other players can get into. Um, so that's kind of the general goal. You know, you mentioned making a game for a wider audience. Are these going to then be casual games, like, you know, in the traditional sense? Or are you thinking about making, like, new social games or something where, like, some of these new emerging genres of games? Or what did you exactly Well, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really place it in anything like that. I just kind of – just a general thing where, you know – like we should be trying to make interfaces for people because there's this there's a lot of people that want to get into games and they just you know have a hard time figuring it out like um games where there's a lot of death and stuff where you could die easily you know tend to intimidate a lot of people sure um and it kind of makes them afraid to experiment and stuff which is unfortunate um so i'm just kind of trying to think of you know you know what could you do to invite people in and, and let them play and not really feel like this pressure, but at the same time um, do something that's really interesting and new and, and all that other stuff. So I think a lot of the problem with calling things casual is a lot of things that are called casual tend to be um, like match three puzzle games and yeah. hidden object games and that kind of thing, and they don't really have a lot of what I would consider to be depth. Like, I don't know, I haven't played that many recent ones, but um, sure. Um, so I'm not sure how much depth there is in a, in, in a, in a hidden object game, but it just kind of seems like you could use these simple interfaces but do something really interesting with them. It's just kind of a design problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know if I don't even know what casual games really means. Like I don't really know what if the label means anything. Yeah. Or, or you know, hardcore games like because they just kind of get these definitions, but then there's the games that are really cool kind of sit part way in between and um and some games just sit completely out of either category and they're and they're really cool so i don't know if the categories really help help anyone sure and you know now that you're starting this new game i mean what are the top three lessons you took from your last game project into this one i mean are, are there like any huge um insights that you got from your last project that that'll really help you for this for this game I have to think about this one a bit. Sure. Um, I think I think a big thing is just confidence because I was used to failing a lot. Sure. Um, and then Aquaria, you know, everything went way better than anyone would have ever expected it to. Um, like we won awards and we got all this, you know, crazy publicity and, and good sales and stuff. So um, I just feel like more relaxed about it because I'm not worried about proving anything this time, you know? I also think that 
Derek and I know how to work together better because we've you know spent two years working on this game, so we kind of know who we are and how we want to work on it and stuff. Yeah, are you guys you know, thinking a of a better idea of, of uh, what our company is about? And like, anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, are you guys going to try to find other people to work with, or do you think that your relationship, our working relationship at this point, is solid enough to produce more games that that'll work out? I mean. Like, what's the thought on that? Because I know you mentioned that before you were having issues, like, you know, things didn't necessarily gel with other teams before. Well, mm-hmm. when you're doing the freeware stuff uh, before right. in high school. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, has this, like, collaboration been, like, like did you notice a huge difference in the collabor- quality of the collaboration this time as compared oh, yeah, to... Yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, we both, they're both really hard workers. Okay, so it really oh, came down to work and... Oh, well, that's a big thing, but also, you know, Derek's really creative, Okay. And he has he has great ideas, you know, they come from nowhere and, and that's kind of the big thing too. You know, neither one of us is the designer. We both design the game and we both have these different perspectives on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what makes the game good. You know, I think if either one of us designed it on our own, it wouldn't be anywhere near as good as it is. And it's hard to sort of explain those differences, um if you don't know us, but Yeah. Yeah, we do have a different perspective, but I think together the different perspectives work out really well. So, yeah, it's really rare. It's not something that happens a lot. You know, I've worked with a lot of different people, and it's, you know, I've worked hard. I've worked with people who worked hard, you know, and and it's rare to find someone who works really hard, who you get along with, you know, and and is also really creative. And how do you handle, like, do you guys ever have, like, massive design differences? Or, I mean, is it mostly similar design perspectives and it's just hammering out exactly which way to go generally we we agree sometimes we've had arguments but it usually turns out by the end of the argument that we kind of were talking about the same thing we're just kind of coming at it from different angles so i think now we kind of have a bit more we're a bit more laid back about that too because we kind of know that we get it already don't need to feel like we need to convince the other person as much um but yeah, I don't know about adding other team members yet. Um, I think yeah. it would be something that would happen later. Just right now, it feels like we know what we're doing and, and uh, we've got some good ideas and we want to just explore those. And Well, what about interns to... or just, you know, maybe bouncing ideas off of other game developers? Is that, I mean, is that part of your development process in any way or is it pretty much... Well, yeah, it was, it was something we did um, for testing because we got a bunch of game developers to help us test over... You know, I forget how however long it was, but it was probably at least four months or something. Sure. Um, okay. And yeah, it was really, it was really, it was really helpful. Um, so but it was also kind of weird because they, you know, everyone has their own language and, and kind of labels for things. And, um, but yeah, it was really great. It was just kind of like you, you have to kind of learn how to um, process feedback because sometimes it comes in and it doesn't make any sense. Sure. Like it sounds like someone's coming from from nowhere, but there's actually you know a, a cause, a root cause to it that you have to find. Are, um, you, are you thinking so, of bringing in then their feedback at an earlier stage in the game dev process, or do you think it really worked well with the play testing? Stage? I've been considering that. Um, I've been sending some very early builds to our our tester in Montreal of of our new thing, and just kind of getting a general sense of how it's going but it's i'm not really asking for feedback yet because there's there's not much there to talk about it's just kind of a general you know do you like the vibe of this 
you know, how this looks and how this sounds and that kind of thing. So starting since eight, uh, being an indie, how has your definition of indie changed from, you know, eight year old indie to releasing a huge <laughs> uh, indie hit that became an idea? <laughs> um, like, see, I kind of had this love hate thing with indie for like a while because indie games are generally really crappy in in the uh, earlier years. Like, there's a couple cool ones, but a lot of them were really sort of weird looking and, and just not, you know, very well made and didn't have a lot of depth and that kind of thing. So, but they had heart. They had they heart. Had heart. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I remember. Um, Back in the old days, the kind of the only source of community that I knew of for indie games was uh, IndieGamer.com. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of around the time when I did Deep Sea Adventures, um, that shareware game. And I, I was kind of like, I kind of had this cynical view of, of indie games. And it kind of felt like they, they would never sort of be anything more than kind of small platform puzzle type games, you know. Um, was that because of the cynicism on the forum or was that in addition uh, to the cynicism? <laughs> I think it was a bit of both. Um, I think I just hadn't heard of or seen anyone who was making, you know, really, really making stuff that they wanted to make and making really good stuff and and, sure. and um, trying to, you know, live up to some kind of standard or something like. And it was kind of, but that really changed um, later because I got to meet, you know, all these developers like at the uh, IGF and stuff. That, yeah. That, work really hard and do really great jobs and it was kind of like oh you know this is actually something that makes sense like it's actually a cool thing to work on you know and and other people think so as well and this is a big thing for me it was kind of like you know ever since i was eight i wanted to be part of the games industry i wanted to make games right and that was just kind of my dream definitely um and then but i always felt like you know after after trying for so long and working on all these different things and having them all fail in very various different ways it was kind of felt like, well, you know, just do I have what it takes, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I felt very um, not confident. So getting to go to the IGF and that kind of thing, and then eventually winning an award and having people there kind of saying, like, yeah, you know, we understand what you're doing, and we like what you do. It's, that was, like, a big thing for me. Great. What, it was, was like the industry was saying, yeah, you know, you're cool. You can hang out with us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, was that in Stark? Well, first of all, has has the online community been of help to you as you develop your indie games? Like you know, you mentioned Indie Gamer, and maybe there's some mm-hmm. other online communities that have been helpful. I mean, have you found that to be the case, or has it been mostly meeting the people at GDC and at the IGF that really? Well, it's, I mean, there was a like GameDev.net and Flipcode used to be around, and. And those kind of sites were, were very useful for, you know, the technical stuff. And then uh, Indie Gamer is interesting to read about um, people's experiences trying to run businesses and that kind of thing. So it was all really good and educational. Um, but kind of like we started uh, the, the uh, or Derek started the TIG source forums right before oh, yeah. we went to IGF. And then sort of from that, now there's this other huge community and it's kind of, um, that's the kind of, that's the community I most connect with just because... It seems that the people there have the same kind of outlook. And this is the TIG source forums? Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, it's cool. Well, what's what's yeah. the URL exactly so that people know to check it out? Because, you know, I've heard it, like, in, like, randomly, but I never, like, I think I've even checked it out a couple of times. I just didn't know, like, um, exactly, you know, the feel or the sense of it. So, you know, 
Right. Uh, it's forums.tigsource.com. And how do you spell TIG source? Is it T-Y-G or T-I-G? T-I-G source and the independent game source. Oh, okay. Great. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, like one of the parts I like the most is the feedback section where people post their games for feedback and then people give them very frank and, and honest kind of feedback and it's like, nice. cool. And um, the, the tester guy from Montreal that tests our game um, moderates that forum. That's kind of how we found out about him because he just started like he just started giving people feedback, oh, yeah. really really detailed feedback, you know, and just being very, you know, very respectful but very direct and um, and honest and, and that kind of thing. And, and so, so it's kind of cool because everyone, you know, um, it's people don't really get too um, prima donna about their work there because and and people also give feedback in a respectful way, which to me is totally shocking. Like I'm used to seeing. Either you know someone getting their work trashed and then they throw a fit, yeah. or people are trashing it and they're just being totally rude and, and you know unproductive. They're not giving any constructive feedback. So this is you know, I really like how that's turned out. And then there's a couple of community projects and competitions and stuff that have been lots of fun and yeah. Yeah, how's how's a community project going? I, I would think that that's a little more challenging because you have all these people who want to do certain things. I mean, like how's that being organized and handled and well, there's, I mean, the main problem with the first one that got started was the guy who's programming it has been sort of busy and doing other things. Sure. So that one's kind of at a standstill. Um, but it was it was really cool for a while because everyone was kind of doing, it was it was like a, a low-res pixel art game. Nice. And so everyone could do art for it. You know, like you didn't need tools. You didn't really need um, to get everyone, you know, detailed character designs or anything. They could just look at the you know, art that was made and then do their own animations and stuff. So there's a, a ton of animations lying around and we were working on building a script system for it so that it, people to just throw it in. Um, nice. So yeah, hopefully we'll pick that back up at some point. And but the uh, competitions have gone really well. Oh, like yeah. the uh, B game competition was really cool. Um, and there were a lot of great games that came out of that. And then there was a, a feature of it in uh UK PC Gamer. It was really cool. Oh, nice. And how long do these competitions last normally? Like- uh, we've only had two, so um, I don't know. They don't really... It sort of depends on the competition. We had a... I think the last one was a uh, text adventure competition that was Christmas-themed. Okay. Which was cool, but... Nice. And yeah. so let's transition then from the online communities to... Uh, like, when you went to... GDC for the IGF festival was that your first time to GDC or yeah and and how yeah, was it, how was that then compared to um you know because mainly you met people on or you know you you saw the forums online and mm-hmm. you go to GDC like I mean what what was the overwhelming feeling or takeaway that you got from that conference everyone is just really cool um, I've met a lot of people who in, in in various other places before who you know it's kind of like oh this is like the the game development meetup in my city who goes to it oh, yeah. and it's really just a bunch of people who aren't into game development at all but they're kind of they kind of want to be and so they're just you know talking a lot of crap and they don't really know what they're talking about um <laughs> and they're also kind of you know stuck up in a way but like uh gdc is just really cool people they all know they're all really friendly and they all have a great sense of humor and they're all, you know, super creative. Nice. So, yeah, it was, the, you know, the best group of people to hang out with. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this year because we know even more people now. 
um, through the forums and stuff. We know a bunch of people from the forums are going to come to hang out and stuff. So, yeah, it's really cool. It's going to be crazy. And um, since you've been to GDC, I mean, have you changed, like, I mean, do you just then talk to more indies online that, you know, that have been to IGF? Or, I mean, are you still just hanging around the same forums? I mean, like, has, has it changed your outlook on, like, I guess the developers or indies that you should hang around? Uh, it's it's kind of the same. I mean, um, it's cool that I, I, I've met people in person, so I know them a bit better. So when we joke around online and stuff, we uh, there's a bit more history to it, and we kind of know where we're coming from and stuff, and it's you, you can make even more crazy jokes. Um, but we meet up on Skype a lot now. Um, we have we have an IRC, uh, TIG IRC. We also you know Skype every few weeks, just as a big group um, oh, really? of people. Like, do you, do you find that more effective than IRC? or? Um... Oh, it's just kind of more fun. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's just a different way to to uh, hang out with people online. So. Nice. And, yeah, it's, it's cool. And what are your favorite indie games then? Um, well, the games I've bought are Mr. Robot and uh, Chocolate Castle, I think. Okay. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've bought any other ones yet. Um, so I don't know. I've, um, there's a lot of freeware stuff that's really cool. I mean, Dwarf Fortress is awesome, but I, I can't figure out how to play it, but I know that it's awesome. So, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that you and your partner tried to, or had like freeware teams going, um, Mm -hmm. like what's the, like, why weren't they quote shareware teams as compared to freeware? I mean, was there any kind of like what motivated the freeware aspect compared to just saying, okay, I'm going to do my own little game studio or shareware studio or something like that. Well, I think a lot of, for me, it was like, you couldn't really convince people to do that. And I also didn't think that I would be able to do anything that people would want to buy. And I was right at that point. (laughs) I was very right. Um, So I don't know. It's just kind of more laid back to do freeware. You can do whatever you want. You can release it wherever you want. Um, You get attention easily because it's free and that kind of thing. So it's just kind of a good way to start. You know, you kind of get, um, kind of figure out how the whole process of releasing things works without having to risk anything really. Um, And so now being involved in the indie community, where do you see uh, the future of indie game development going, you know, based on the forums and communities that you're at online and offline and stuff? There seems to be um, a lot a lot of creativity and a lot of um, big talk from people who have a lot of um, ideals and, and lofty goals. Um, so I'm curious to see how that actually pans out. Okay. Um, but yeah, they just, it's, it's cool because people are really getting into the, the vibe of making stuff and yeah. like the B game competition at, uh, at take source, they basically a whole bunch of people who hadn't made games before started making games just because they thought it was a cool idea for a competition. Nice. And, you know, so there's a number of people that are like, this is my first game. Um, so that's cool. I think more people, you know, just need to make more games and just go through the process and then, you know, they'll, they'll learn it as they go. So I mean, the best way to figure it out is just, to, you know, start making stuff. And what would you say then are the top three lessons you've learned in your whole indie game, indie development career so far? I think for me as a person, a big thing is, is don't give up because it's very tempting to give up. Um, But now I've seen that, you know, it can actually work out, um, which is a big thing. Definitely. 
uh, and work hard, but I kind of already knew that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to remember that you, you know you have to work extremely hard and and, uh, and but the but the most important thing is you have to have fun sure. somehow, Definitely. even though it's it's hard work and it can be you know depressing at times and that kind of thing. It, you you have to and be enjoying it. You know, otherwise it's probably not for you. Nice. And so do you have any last words for uh, indie game developers out there? Aside from visiting TigSource.com. <laughs> um, keep your stick on the ice, hey. Nice. Yeah, I'm Canadian. Sweet. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for your time. Uh, once again, we're talking with the developer of Aquaria. And, you know, I'll see you at GDC, man. All right, cool. Yeah, you should come hang out. Yep. Take care, man. Bye. Sweet. See ya.